Welcome to this edition of the Disciples Men podcast with your host Greg Alexander and Alex Ruth. Thank you for joining us as we explore the many challenges of being man of faith in these challenging times. Disciples Men is a ministry of Disciples Home Missions of the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in the U.S. and Canada. Let's listen in today's conversation. Welcome to another edition of the Disciples Men podcast. I'm Alex Ruth, the Associate Director of Disciples Men, also joined today by Greg Alexander. He's the Director of Disciples Men. And today we have a special guest, and that is Stuart Price. And Stuart is the President of the General Conference of Disciples Men. Stuart, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Thanks for asking me. Uh, I, I'm really excited to uh, uh, to get a few moments, uh, a little while today, to to talk with you, find out about uh, uh, your faith journey, and to find out about um, your plans and hopes and dreams uh, for the General Conference of Disciples Men. But uh, I want to let uh, Greg kind of get us started. So, Greg, I'm going to turn it over to you for a little bit. Well, thanks, Alex. It's great to be with you. And Stuart, thanks so much for giving us uh, some time today for the podcast. We are so grateful for you and for your leadership among disciple men. Thank you. One of the things that I wanted to start with today is uh, I know a little about you. I know that you are a microbiology professor at Auburn in the vet school. What I don't know is how uh, your faith journey progressed and what brought you to want to work with disciple men. Can you share a little bit of your story with us today? Sure. Um, I'm a third generation disciple. It could be fourth, depending on whether my great grandfather was a Church of Christ or Disciples of Christ. We're not sure about that. Um, so I grew up in the Disciples Church in a town in Oklahoma, Duncan, Oklahoma, um, which, as you probably are aware, Oklahoma and Texas are part of the Disciples Fertile Crescent. So we have a lot of churches there. Churches in Oklahoma that I grew up in were considered to be maybe medium sized. Where I live now in Alabama, they'd be a large church, basically, because our churches here in the Deep South are smaller. Um, so I, I, I did the normal disciples things. I grew up and joined Cairo, went to church camp, became CYF, and went to more church camp, and then went on to college. And, and through my journey uh, in my career, I've belonged to six disciples churches in four different states. Um, just before moving to Auburn, I was a member of Twin Pines Christian Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and had the... Uh, joy of working with Gary Kidwell as the founding pastor of that church and being a part of a brand new church growth. And that was really energizing for me, not having been part of that before. Didn't really meet the disciples men. I actually got to uh, Auburn where I live now and in the, uh, the region where I am. And, and my church had a disciples men's group and disciples women's group as well. And they often met the same night, but separately, of course, in different rooms and became involved in that. I began attending our regional Disciples Men's Retreat, which were held originally in the fall, but now in the spring, and slowly kind of became active in, in that and eventually um, became a vice president of the regional Disciples Men. And when our uh, president there was called to another church this in California, I kind of became acting president uh, of that. So I was active in the Disciples Men and um, began meeting people in different regions. We had uh, Archie Jenkins came one time from the Georgia region to to our regional retreat um, and got to meet Archie. He was a part of, had been president of the Disciples Men and invited me to get involved. And eventually I went on to the 
executive council, executive committee of the general conference, and then eventually uh, became its president after being president-elect for a couple of years. So it's been kind of a um, a slow climb, I guess you could say, but uh, you never know where it's going. So here, here I am uh, uh, as Disciples Men's president and, and uh, uh, happy to be there and ho- hope I can do a lot of help for the group. Well, thank you. I, I so appreciate your journey and especially your commitment to Disciple Men. Um, I know some of the wonderful folks in Alabama that I know you've worked with in Disciples Men, especially Dale Braxton. Uh, Dale's a, a wonderful longtime friend of mine, and uh, so I know you've had good tutelage when it comes to disciples men. Yes, I have. I, I do want to ask, uh, now that you've had the chance to sit uh, in the seat of president for a little while, and of course you've observed the organization for quite a while in your other roles, what, what do you think are some of the primary challenges that uh, we face in trying to do effective ministry with disciples men? One of the challenges is, um, I guess you call it the, the aging and graying of the church, the main mainline churches, including disciples, men's in those churches. Um, if you look around, um, a lot of us at, for instance, the retreats I attend and even on our executive committee are, are getting old or older. Um, so like any, any other group in a mainline church, we've got to focus on growth and bringing in the younger generation. Disciples Men also traditionally has been very much of an, an old white man's group. And I think we've got to change in the 21st century and change the face of the Disciples Men to be welcoming to all uh, men of, of all different colors and backgrounds. I think that's that's something that we, that we can do. Our church is doing that. I think we need to do it as well. Um, again, you know, as as we as we age, there's going to be less and less of the old white guys around as it is. And so I think we do need to to diversify, welcome, and and grow that way and become a, a reflection of the face of the whole church. And that, that's very important, I think, for, for any group, but especially disciples, men. We, uh, we've had specific themes and, and efforts in the past, but I think we kind of have to constantly rebrand ourselves. It's time to, to, to pick up and, and move into some new areas uh, of ministry and mission, and I think we're, we're poised to do that now as well. I wanted one more follow-up question that I'll let Alex ask his uh, his questions. Um, uh, we had our first executive committee meeting last uh, Thursday evening by um, video conference call. And uh, as you are speaking to diversity, it was really a wonderful thing to see how diverse uh, just the executive committee itself has become. And I, I know that had to delight you as you shared your vision for or, or part of the challenges that we face at the church. It certainly has. I think that the the addition of our, our, of our new members, as our members in large terms expired, I think it's going to add a, a whole new dimension to the leadership of the general conference and uh, as we as we move through throughout the conference itself. Stuart, you've talked a little bit about some of the uh, the challenges that that do face us um, as disciples men. It's a, a known uh, challenge that we have that uh, you know we are primarily. Uh, or at least historically, have been older white guys. Um, what are some opportunities that you see um, before us as we make this transition uh, to a more diverse uh, ministry with that um, that maybe represents the church uh, more more fully and more holistically? Well, I think um, the disciples men need to continue to consider themselves to be a church in themselves. I have no problem with church being inside church. I think that's a, 
a good way of looking at things. Um, and that, that's, that's important in terms of, of attracting both diverse and, and younger men. I think the fact that a lot of disciples men's groups focus on projects probably aligns pretty well with the newer generations of men who are not so focused on organizations, but are focused more on, on efforts and doing things. Disciples men have, have traditionally not really been a group of people that like to sit around and, and do Bible studies and talk all the time. They, um, they, they want to get out and do things. And I think this generation of men we have now are the same way. And by simply pulling these men into the, our projects and our, our, our ministry and missions, that's one way, I think, of attracting them because that's, that's what we do as a, as a group. We need to do that very well, I think. I agree. I, I think that, that uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the emphases that we're, we're uh, focusing on at the general conference level as disciples men um, in general are are really aimed at making an impact in the world around us. Um, so what I'd like to do for a moment, if you, if you can, is tell us a little bit about um, some of the mission aspects of uh, the General Conference of Disciples Men. Uh, in case somebody hasn't heard what Disciples Men do, uh, for the church and in our, or, or through our organization. Uh, talk a little bit about some of our projects. Sure. Traditionally, over the last 10, 15 years, Disciples Men's Ministries, and especially their missions, have focused on feeding hungry children. There's been an emphasis on that um, through our mission centers, which we have four of those across the country, which we try to support. Um, and it usually, these missionaries are usually in areas of cities uh, where uh, it's economically challenged, and often it's been a change in 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 the neighborhoods from being originally majority white to now often a majority either black or Hispanic, and and the economic abilities of those folks has gone down as as change has occurred. So we're seeing a lot of of helping kids in the past who who basically don't always have enough to eat, and so there's been a focus on feeding hungry kids, and that still certainly can be a focus of disciples men. It's something that that uh, across the country needs to be done. Um, but I think as, as we begin looking at the future and thinking about our target population of both a diverse disciples men's group and also bringing in younger men, I, I think we need to make sure that we get God front and center. Uh, it, we are a church organization and that that's we all seem to take that for granted, but you know I think in in especially in our younger generations, they may not actually connect the idea of of mission and projects with with God, and I think that's important that we do that as well. So um, having plans on not only just focusing on on mission, but also making sure that the undergirding is there that that it, it, it that we understand that we are a God based group. That's what we're doing. We're we're a New Testament church, and and following Jesus' footsteps is, is very important too. We we don't want, we don't want to end up being so focused on simply mission that we forget that we're we are a church and are a part of a church. I I agree. Uh, you know we we've all heard the kind of uh, popular statement today that characterizes the church, and that is that or, or characterizes our our changing population as we're spiritual but not religious. 
And part of that is uh, kind of a pushback against the church's uh, kind of myopic focus on the institutional needs of the church. That's my commentary. Uh, and we, we tend to, uh, the people on the outside of the church looking in, sometimes don't think that God's even in the church, that the church is so focused on the institutional dynamics that it forgets the spiritual uh, connection with God and, and what that does both personally and corporately through mission and justice work, et cetera, et cetera. How, are, how have you seen that kind of play out just in your local church setting? Uh, how does your church respond to kind of this changing dynamic that we're seeing uh, in the world today, especially as it relates to men? Well, in my disciples men's group, it's, it's a pretty small group now. And one of our members uh, has two teenage sons. And they, of course, were basically brought on because they're with their dad at the church that night. So they just came and joined the disciples men, not really understanding what we were. But I think as they sat there with us and heard us talk about, for instance, um, planning um, a fellowship meal for the church, uh, in order to raise money to give to a local food bank, they began to put together for the first time this idea of of God in mission. You know, they they grew up in this church; they they knew all about it, but they really hadn't seen, you know, beyond a worship service or doing individual projects as youth, hadn't seen a group like Disciples Men actually planning and infusing the mission and, and ministry with God. I think that was, and these guys are probably younger than our focus right now, but, but they're, they're eye opening for them to actually see men getting together and talking about God and, and what God wants us to do. And then this this God directed mission effort. So that to me, that was kind of interesting that, that we had these, these young guys there, they were there because they had it because their dad was there and they actually began participating and, and asking questions. And it was, it was, it was great. It really was. 10, 10 or 15 years ago, uh, probably closer to 15 now, um, the Lutherans, uh, Lutheran Men and Mission uh, of the ELCA Church, uh, sponsored a research project with uh, younger men between the ages of 18 and 35. I think I think that was 35. Uh, but anyway, what they did is they interviewed um, uh, young men that fell in that age category who were raised in the church, never stepped foot in a church, were in the church, left the church, and so on. They had all these categories. And one of the things that they discovered in these interviews was that, that there was one overwhelming uh, need identified by every young man interviewed. And it was a need to have a relationship with an older man that was non-judgmental. Uh, a mentor kind of person in their life uh, was, the, was the number one thing they identified. What I'm hearing you say is that part of what these young men in your church experienced was that they had a relationship development with the older men in the group. And so, yes, the mission and God were important, but they were also seeing it modeled in the men in your group. Is that a fair assessment? Yes, because they, they seen us, you know, at the communion table and, and in the choir, and but they hadn't seen us actually in action with that action being God directed, I think that was a that was new for them. And even though they've been in the church all their lives, it was interesting. I I remember uh, several years ago when I started um, here at the church, 
we had a, a men's breakfast uh, weekly. Uh, it was an ecumenical breakfast. It wasn't necessarily just disciples men, but we had men from a variety of churches here in the community that met for, for breakfast uh, in the morning. And both of my children, my son and my daughter, uh, were regular attenders at that breakfast because I would go from there and take them to school. Um, and it was uh, great to see how they learned from older men uh, about faith um, because sometimes um, guys are hesitant to talk about some of these deeper faith issues um, in in mixed company but uh, even having Kaya around she was young at that time they they were still talking about things going on in their lives and she was able to see and, and Mason was able to see us being just genuine and and authentic with one another and I think I think that was very helpful I agree I'm sure it was as we as we begin to dream about uh, the future of uh, disciples men and the general conference disciples men um, have you in your mind sort of set out um, uh, a list of objectives uh, or hopes dreams uh, that you would like to see us accomplish together uh, over the time of your presidency well I have in some ways I, I think one of the things that's really helped me just these last few years on the tech committee is to listen to input from um, disciples, men from across the denomination at, for instance, general assemblies or at sessions. Um, and not just about what they do in their particular churches, but, but what their needs are, um, you know, rather than having to kind of flail around and figure out what we're supposed to do. I think, I think we need to have kind of a, a worldwide or countrywide or denomination-wide listening session to men, and they will tell us what what they're missing and what we can do to fill that. And we're, we're already hearing from them about things that, that we're already planning and how they, they are very welcoming of, of some of the programs we're thinking about and talking about. And they've, they've been kind of just back waiting for something like this. They, did, they didn't have an idea themselves, but they were hoping that the leadership would. And so I think... It, it, what I like to see the next two years is us to, 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 to listen carefully and then map our our forwardness on some of those those themes we're hearing from our own disciples men uh, across the country because they, they they know what what they need and what they're missing and what we can perhaps fill. I think that's a, that's important to me is to listen to learn and then to to, to go. One way that uh, that I see helping uh, make that happen, uh, Stuart, is to um, really reinvigorate or revitalize the General Conference of Disciples Men um, so that we're hearing from um, the different regions uh, and their representatives uh, at those levels so that we can, you know, we have a, a, a pathway for communication uh, from uh, from the local congregation all the way up to the general conference. Um, it may be helpful for somebody who doesn't know um, how the general conference gets to be or what the general conference of disciples men is. It may be helpful uh, to give a little bit of back background on that. So what is the general conference of disciples men in a nutshell? The general conference is, is a, a group of men across the denomination that's drawn from our regional staff members and also uh, disciples men's presidents or officers in regional uh, regional disciples men's groups. So right now we have, you know, give or take maybe about 70 individuals that we could could call the conference. Um, 
and that does change as our regional uh, staff changes. It also changes as our presidents of Disciples Men's Groups in the region changes. So it's a very dynamic group, um, but certainly we have the ability to, to interact with them, and I think uh, at, at large gatherings like, for instance, upcoming in Sessions 2020, it might not be a bad idea to have a, a little bit of time in small groups to just do some brainstorming to actually do some of that listening, since we have a captured audience, so to speak, coming from all over the denomination to, to sessions uh, to get input from both their local congregations issues and needs and, and what mission, as well as their regional. Um, so, so the conference itself is, is, is a, is a group of men that are basically regionally based, uh, based on regions. Um, and it, it, it basically is served by, an executive committee that I'm president of that, that, that is supposed to be communicating with them and getting input back from them as we we move forward and, and try to, to to address disciples men in the church uh, for the future. Stuart, beyond the uh, beyond the kind of the you know the graying uh, population of the church, I'm I'm kind of curious as because you have as a third generation possibly fourth generation disciple you've got a long history with uh, with disciples. What what are some of the more striking changes? And I'm talking a little bit beyond just disciple men, but kind of in general. You also you know you work with young people, young adults, you know through your teaching profession. I'm kind of curious as to some of the major shifts that you see taking place around us that we may or may not be as sensitive to as church, as, uh, as, as we should be, we tend to isolate ourselves sometimes. What, what might be some of those kind of broad sweep changes you see that you think we need to be much more attentive to? Um, well, a couple of things. Um, certainly the, the generation of students that I teach, these would be uh, 20-something-year-olds in, in a professional curriculum. Um, they are, are very electronically uh, connected and Disciples men are still kind of on the leading edge of becoming electronic connected. We sometimes have a challenge just getting together in meetings because some folks may not even have computers or, or, or cell phones that are smartphones. Uh, so we need to, if we're going to actually interact with that generation of 20-something-year-olds or even 30-year-olds, we need to be able to handle the technology. They're, they're, they really are social media people. That's where they get their information and their news often. And we need to be there and have a presence there, I think. Um, beyond that, looking back at, at the changes in the, the, the church I grew up in, uh, in the Disciples Church, when I was a small kid, my grandfather was one of the last uh, ruling elders. He um, was a board chair for life. And uh, the church seemed very happy with that type of arrangement back in the early 60s. Um, there were no women in leadership positions at that time in the church, except they were deaconesses that prepared communion. Um, I've, in my lifetime, I've seen that change completely, where disciples churches, including the one I grew up in, are, now have women elders and leaders. And I think that change also makes me think about the fact that disciples men and disciples women, which have been pretty separate all these years, um, although they certainly should, should, can and should probably stay separate, we should plan some programming together uh, because I think the two groups have very different views from the church into the church, come from different parts. And um, 
goodness knows the disciples women uh, is certainly in in my church if if we didn't have them there we the church would fall apart they they actually are the workhorses and so it's it's something i think we we should think about as disciples men you know maybe having uh some collaborations with them and working towards uh, some programming and ministries this last uh this last few weeks we've had a conversation uh kind of drop into our lap that we we know it's a it's a conversation we want to address it has to do with domestic violence and uh, and intimate partner violence. Um, I I was personally personally I was very heartened by the response of the executive committee and especially your response uh, to that. Um, it might be a good thing for us to to make our listeners aware that we are we are sensitive to the justice issues around us, especially the ones where men have carried the largest uh, responsibility for uh, doing great damage that's done through that kind of domestic violence. Can you share a little bit about kind of your hope and dreams for how we might address that issue and other, other issues that uh, we need to be attentive to? Certainly. I think first of all, we, we as men have to be aware that, that we're, we're entering an area that's an uncomfort zone. Um, people don't talk a lot in the church or probably outside the church either uh, about domestic violence, intimate, intimate partner. Now that's, that's all kind of almost taboo. It, it shouldn't be. It, it, it's been around for a long time. It's nothing new. Um, but talking about it in the church, I think, is something that as leaders we have to be sensitive to that when we're addressing a group of men, for instance, they're going to be all over the map in terms of, of their thinking. Some will be asking the question, why are we even discussing this? While others will say, why haven't we discussed this a long time ago? This has been a problem. Uh, I think what we'll, we'll learn is that we'll have members in, in that audience that have been witness to domestic violence in their own homes, uh, maybe even personally. Um, they've not been able to talk about it or not wanted to talk about it. But I think if the church... And disciples men and specifically stand up and say this this is an important issue for the church uh, and and men specifically I, I think um, it's that's an important thing and and it, it'll have to be handled carefully being aware that that again we've got a, a spectrum of folks whose perspectives are very different depending on the individual um, and sort of weighed in carefully and see where we are and and maybe step back and listen to what our audience says. I think that's important for us, too. I, I agree. Uh, I, I'm glad that we are beginning to take these first steps, as you said, to probably overdue. Uh, but we are taking the first steps to, to work with um, others to really address some of these um, important and sensitive issues. Stuart, you mentioned a couple times um, during um, our time together uh, today, um, Sessions 2020, and like to hear a little bit more about that. Uh, our listeners have probably heard Greg and I talk about it, but I'd like to hear your take on what's coming up uh, in this next summer. Sure. In, in July of 2020, we have what, what I call the Disciples Men's Quadrennial. This is a, a, a happening every four years in the summer. This summer will be at TCU, and as it was in 2016. This is a gathering of men from across the denomination, disciples, men, and it's it's kind of like a, almost like a retreat, but with a lot more people. 
there's going to be worship. There's going to be education. There'll be workshops, small group learning, all focused on, on very Christ focused and focused on where disciples men are and where we want to go. Again, it's, it's only every four years that we get together as a group like this. And so we need to take advantage of that, that, that time together and get input from them and show them what we plan to be doing for the next couple of years as well, uh, kind of in four-year intervals. Um, but it's, it's a great time to get together with other disciples men in uh, a, a very disciple setting. TCU is one of our um, uh, disciples universities, Bright Divinity School is there. Uh, and it's and their their folks are amazing in terms of hospitality. Uh, Fort Worth is going to be kind of warm in July, but it's warm most places in July anyway. Uh, so, uh, but I would encourage all disciples men to give that some thought, and uh, and maybe even approach their churches to and their disciples men's group to help support uh, the travel for Fort. It uh, starts on a on a, a, a Friday, and, and goes over a weekend, um, and it's. It's a, it's a fun-filled weekend of, of learning and spirit building and uh, just great being church together. I know that's something that uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, this next summer. It's uh, the 10th through the 12th of July, as you said, um, and some great opportunities there. Um, registration, in case you don't already know, registration is open. Uh, so we'd encourage anyone to uh, go ahead and get registered, set that time aside on your calendar. Um, and join us in Fort Worth uh, in July of 2020. Just a, a plug for our speaker, the speaker, our keynote speaker for uh, sessions will be the Reverend Dr. Rick Lowry. Rick is the current president of the Disciples Historical Society. I've known Rick, been friends with him for many years. I've heard him talk on several occasions, and he is awesome. He will light us up uh, when we are together in session. So I just want to put a plug in for the high caliber of, uh, of programming we're going to have at sessions uh, next year at TCU. Yeah, it should be an exciting time. Yes. And I do hope that you will uh, make it a priority. Put that on your calendars and join us. Stuart, again, I want to thank you for uh, spending some time with us this afternoon, sharing your story and your vision for uh, Disciples Men, the General Conference of Disciples Men for the coming year. So thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for inviting me. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Stuart. So glad to have you with us. So glad we're working together in Disciple Men. It's great to be here. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap it up for this time around. Next time on our podcast, we'll be uh, talking about competition and how that plays into our relationships as Christian men, as disciples men. So I invite you to join us uh, in a couple weeks as we continue our Disciples Men podcast. Once again, my thanks go out to Greg Alexander and to Stuart Price, and we hope to we talk to you all again soon. Our special thanks to our good friend, the Reverend Dr. Dean Phelps, for providing the special music of this podcast. You can discover more of Dean's music at deanphelpsmusic.com. And you can learn more about the ministry of Disciples Men on Facebook and through discipleshomemissions.org. 